Uh, we're going to continue in our series um, uh, in the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 10, so follow along with me as I read. Now all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near him to listen to him. But both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them his parable, saying, What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one who is lost until he finds it? When he, found, when, when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. When, when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. I'll tell you that in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, if she has ten coin, silver coins and loses one coin, does she not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she found it, finds it, she calls together her friends and neighbors and saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which I had lost. In the same way I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And may God add the blessing to the reading of his word. We're going to be looking at uh, three specific points today. We're going to be looking at uh, grumbling about the sinners, the lost sheep, and the lost coin. Have any of us, I know we have, I know I have, have lost something that was really, really, really valuable to us, that we held near and dear to us, that was precious to us, that we felt like this was like the best thing and when you've lost it, you were heartbroken. That you were like really upset. That you couldn't find it. And, and you did all that you could to find it. You, you searched diligently. You looked everywhere. You prayed to ask God to help you to find it. And that you, and when you found it, you rejoiced. And, some, and, and think about maybe you called somebody and let them know, Hey, I found what I was looking for. Hey, I found what I had lost. And you were really happy and really excited about that. Well, today we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture where Jesus talks some parables. And the parables are, again, are the stories that Jesus uh, shares to convey a spiritual message, an important message. And as a result, uh, today there were some uh, religious leaders who were, share, that were upset about some sinners who Jesus was fellowshipping with. So Jesus shares some stories to show how God is concerned about the sinners that are lost and that how he rejoices in heaven when, when God rejoices in heaven when the sinners come home and they are found. So let's look at, let's look at, our, let's look at our points here today. Grumbling about the lost sinner. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near him to listen to him. Now, we see two groups of people here. Now here Jesus is teaching like he normally does. And there's the tax collectors and the sinners. And they, this is a group of people that were, uh, the sinners were obviously notorious people uh, in the community, among the religious community, and among society there as people that you don't associate with. And that's just a cult, that was just a cultural 
It was more so a religious norm that was held during that time. That um, the tax people, tax collectors, they didn't like tax collectors because they were usually ruthless, they were usually unscrupulous, and they were usually uh, did things underhandedly. And then sinners, obviously, they're sinners, you don't want to have anything to do with them if you're a righteous person. So that was the prevailing attitude that was there. So, and the, and, the, and the sinners were coming near him to listen. But listen to the other group of people that were there. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble. So we see tax collectors and sinners, but then we see the Pharisees and the scribes. Now, the, Phar the Pharisees were the religious group that, um, that would say that, you know, I'm the righteous, I'm a righteous person. I follow all God's rules. I follow all God's laws. I follow all God's commands. And even the ones that we made up, we follow them. And the scribes are the ones who wrote, who uh, transcribed the scriptures. And so they held themselves and they knew the law and they knew the religious commands that God had put out. And so they were, and they prided themselves in being righteous. They prided themselves in being religious. They prided themselves in doing or having the appearance of doing the right thing. See, they were all about what? The outward appearance, weren't they? They were about who they were as far as doing religious things. They wanted people to know that they were righteous people. They wanted to know, they pride themselves in, in, in their eyes carrying out God's laws. So here we have the sinners and tax collectors, and here we have the so-called righteous. But what were they doing? They were complaining that Jesus was doing what? That Jesus was having fellowship with who? With sinners. With the tax collector. How could Jesus be fellowshipping with them? How could Jesus be coming near how, how, why would he even want to associate with them? If he knew who they were, and obviously he knew who they were, why would he want to have anything to do with them? Why wouldn't he just shun them away? Why wouldn't he just put them aside? Why wouldn't he just not have anything to do with them? And that's in their mindset. And so they were complaining that Jesus, being a religious leader, should have known not to associate with these people who were notorious tax collectors and sinners, people that you don't associate with. Why would he do that? So there was a complaining there. And that was the first thing right there. Because if you look at, if you look at God, you look at the history of God, and you look at Old Testament scripture, who did God associate with? Who did God call? Who were people that God was looking after? It was sometimes it wasn't the most it wasn't always the best person. Did what was it? Look at Jacob. Jacob was what? What is his name? What is his name associated with? He was a deceiver. That's what Jacob means. It means deceive. To deceive. He was grabbing his brother's heel while he was in his womb, because it was Jacob and Esau. Why would God want to have something associate with someone who is a deceiver? Right? Why would he want to associate with Rahab, the harlot, who is a prostitute? Why would God want to do that? She's a sinner. 
And you look at that, you look at from the outward appearance, and you think, why would God want to do anything like that? And so the religious leaders were looking at these people whom Jesus was associating with and looking at them and complaining about them because of the outward appearance of who they were or what they did or what they were associated with. He didn't, they didn't look past the outward. They didn't look at the heart. And that's, see what, that's the difference what God is looking at here. God is not so much caring so much what a person is on the outside and what they look like on the outside. Yeah, he wants people to, um, to he wants people's uh, things. He wants people's attitudes and hearts to change. But that's not initially when people come to God. That's people are not perfect, are they? But God sees the heart, and if people are hungry, which these people were, then they're going to come to God and welcome them. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus welcomed those who were hungry for him, who looked towards him, because they knew that they were sinners. They knew that they, were, they, knew that they, they weren't worthy. But then, and, and then Jesus saw their hearts, and he welcomed them so that he could bring them back in to the fold because they were lost. And so Jesus, knowing the Pharisees' heart, because he wants them saved as well, he shares the stories for them so that they can too can hear and learn and understand. And he goes, and let's look at um, uh, our second point, the lost sheep. And I think one of the things that God was showing me here is, is that Jesus is sharing this, these stories to give us a sense of what God values over what we what man values. Sometimes we value things, we put values on things on what we can see. And we need to come to a place where we value things based on God's values. And what God values is not necessarily what you can see, but again, what goes on in the heart. And we have to understand that um, it's not what we value that matters. It's what God, what God values that really matters. And so, look at this here. Look at this situation here. He talks about sheep. And he talks about, um, you have a hundred sheep. Now, for a wealthy person, what, how, many live, how much livestock you had back then, how much livestock that you had, meaning like sheep or cattle or goats or whatever, showed whether you were wealthy or poor. The more animals that you had, the more livestock you had, the wealthier you were. And so here this man had a hundred sheep. And so he may have been uh, a wealthy person. And so, and then all of a sudden, that sheep wanders off. And it goes astray and he can't find it. But he values that little sheep. Maybe that sheep wandered away because it wasn't being, it wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. It was being distracted or it was doing whatever. And see, God was saying, and God placed a value on that sheep. And God was saying, okay, 
that sheep is valuable to me, even though he wanders, even though he gets distracted, even though he's not the perfect sheep, he's still lost to me. And I know this sheep. I know him. I know all about him. And I'm going to do whatever I need to do in order to find him. I'm going to do whatever I need to do in order to go and look for him and search for him and do my best to find him. He's going to make every effort. He's, not, he's going to look behind every rock. He's going to go, no matter what the distance is, he's going to go and he's going to go look everywhere until he finds that sheep. And that's how God feels about the lost. No matter who they are. No matter even if they got some idiosyncrasies, even though they may have some flaws, even though they may have some things that are not maybe right. He's going to go and he's going to look for that sheep. He's going to make every effort under his, until he finds that sheep. And God, it's so gracious. Because you think about, think about us. Were any of us perfect? Did any of us ever wander? Did any of us ever sin? Did any of us ever, ever have a bad thought? A really bad thought. Maybe towards God, towards someone else. A done bad thing. Holy thing. Gossiped about anybody. Had a bad attitude towards somebody. Got upset. Over stuff. Have any of us ever had that? I know I have. All of the above. But yet, God... When I wandered, I got distracted. And when I wandered, what did God do? For me, you know what he did for me? He went out and he searched for me. And he searched and he searched and he searched. He knew where I was, but he wanted me to, he wanted me to know that he was looking for me. And he brought me back. Me and all my idiosyncrasies, me and all my issues, me and all my things that were going on. And he found me and he brought me back. And what he did, and this is a neat part, he just didn't do it on his own. Yeah, he spoke to my heart and he was speaking to my heart, but he used people. He used his people to search for me. He uses his people. And that's an important part, folks. That's an important part, is that when we're lost or when others are lost, he uses his people to help bring them back. And that's what he did for me. He used a couple whom I haven't seen in a long, 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 long time. In my wandering, in my, in my, in my dark times, to show love to me, to find me, to wrap their arms around me, to encourage me, to bring me back to the place where I needed to be. And think about in your own lives. Think about those who were influential in your life and your wanderings. Maybe it was a Sunday school teacher. Maybe it was a, a parent. Maybe it was a relative. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was a neighbor. Maybe it was someone who 
who took the time, was sent by the Lord to go look for us, even in our own, even in our own wanderings, so to speak. Because God loved us so much. What did God say? He says, for God, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Whoever should well, look, uh, whoever should God's not, for God to love the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So he gave his Son so much, that's how much he did so that we could have life, but he, used, he uses his people, not only God speaks to us in our hearts, but he also uses his people to help bring us back. Think about that. What if we were the Pharisees? What if the Pharisees said, ah, oh, look at him. I mean, I'm sure if the religious leaders were back in their day and he saw me, he would say that. He's a sinner. I don't need him. Why is he even being a part of the, why is he even coming to a Bible study? Why is he coming like that with holy jeans everywhere? And no shoes on. And t-shirt and raggedy long hair. Didn't look like your typical church cover. Didn't have a tie on. Didn't have a jacket on. Didn't have the short haircut. Didn't have it. Didn't look the part, folks. But God saw my heart. And God sent his people to love me even in my darker times. And folks, think about the lost that are out there now. Think about the lost sheep that are out there now. The people, maybe that we see, that maybe we don't necessarily think are worthy of God's God's kingdom or worthy of being saved. Well, that guy smells. The homeless, I, I, mean, I work for the homeless, I work with the homeless for 30 years. I've seen, I've seen everything. People who smell, people who haven't taken showers literally in weeks. And, but yet, God saw a heart from them. Many of them came to the Lord and loved the Lord. And are walking with the Lord today. But the reality was is that there's people in our lives that God sees, that we see every day. That maybe we don't necessarily feel like that person maybe would be worthy of God's kingdom. But we have to see things and we have to have God's sense of value. Like I was talking about before, remember that? Having God's sense of value, the lost sinners. No matter what they look like, no matter what they've done, no matter who they are, having God's sense of value in their lives. Because it may be that you, you know, it may be that you're the person, you're the person that is able to reach out to them. You're God's hands and feet that is able to reach out and love that person and bring that lost sheep back into the fold. What if they said that about the guy who wrote the first hymn, John Newton? Was he said a wicked, evil man? 
wicked, evil man who um, was the captain of a slave ship who God miraculously saved and he repented and God miraculously changed his life. And he came and he, and he just miraculously did a supernatural work. What if people said, he's not worthy? He's not worthy. We would have that hymn. Would have made, people know that's the most well-known hymn throughout the world. To, to people who don't know the Lord and to people who do. Because people can relate with that. He saved a wretch like me. Understand who they are and know the grace that God has given them and the grace that God has forgiven them in. And there's many more out there that need to hear that message. And we're, we, he, God's using us as his messengers to do what? To find the lost sheep. No matter who they are. No matter where they are. I don't know who they are in your lives. We do, though. But God's calling us to check our hearts and make sure that if there's people in our lives that He wants us to reach out to, spend time with, or go to reach after and search diligently for, then we need to do it. Do it. Because that's what that's God's heart. Let's go on, let's finish our our, our next pass, our next part. The lost coin. But what woman, if she has ten silver coins and loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? Again, it goes back to my illustration in the beginning. If we have something really valuable that's lost, we'll do whatever it's going to take in order to find that. Again, having God's sense of value. If we, there's lost people out there that are extremely valuable... To God. And God will do whatever it's going to take in order for that person to find, but he wants to use us in the midst, in the process, to do that. And we have, some, we have many valuable souls. Uh, a soul is much more valuable than a material possession. But Jesus is using this to illustrate the reality that souls are valuable to God. Lost people are valuable to God. They matter to God. And they're going to do whatever you're going to do. And you're going to sweep the house. You're going to look under everything and every way in order you, until you find that lost coin. And that's the way we should be with people in our lives who are lost. We should do whatever we need to do. Uh, if God's telling us to reach out to them and spending time with them and finding them, we need to do everything that we need to do as God's instruments, as God's people, to find those people and to bring them back into the fold. We need to love them and spend time with them and care for them and encourage them and challenge them and bring them back in. And so that God's house can be filled. Because there's so many hurting people out there that are searching for the Lord. They're searching. They don't look the best. They may not represent the best. But they're searching for the Lord. And He wants to use us as his instruments, in order to bring them back in. And we're a part of that. We're God's instruments. We're God's hands and feet. And then, listen to this, and this is what the Lord says. And I'm going to read both these verses. Um, it says, I'll read this verse first. 
It says, and when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which I had lost. So she, so what did she do? She's excited that she found the coin, right? She's excited that she found this coin. How should we respond when someone comes back to the Lord? When someone comes to the Lord, there should be a genuine rejoicing in our hearts. A genuine excitement. Yay! Yay! It's true. I remember I used to get so excited when I, when I worked at the rescue missions. I used to see these gentlemen who were broken and shattered and shattered lives when they came when they genuinely came to the Lord. And see their lives change and it brought such joy to my heart. To see a life that the world wrote off as no good. Nothing ever as good is going to happen for them. And to see how God just changed a broken, shattered life and made it something of value and worth. How do you think heaven rejoices when you see that? Put that person's name. Put your name there. Heaven rejoiced when we came, to, we came back to the Lord. Heaven rejoiced. Think about those others when they come to the Lord. Heaven rejoices. When John Williams came back to the Lord, heaven rejoiced. Heaven rejoiced, folks. Heaven rejoiced. A lot of folks rejoiced when uh, in Kansas City when the, when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. They rejoiced. A lot of celebrating in the streets in Kansas City. Well, think about heaven. Heaven, a lot of all the angels in heaven, and God rejoices when one sinner what? Does what? Repents, doesn't, don't they? Can you imagine people were exuberant at that parade? I saw pictures of it. Think about heaven. Think about the angels. Think about, yay! Yay! Bobby Joe came to the Lord, yay! Exciting because their souls are saved from hell. They're in right, a right relationship with God. They are. My sons are laughing, but it's true. But it's exciting. It's true. It's, you know, it's, I think they're laughing at my dad, their dad, but it's funny. But it's okay. It's fine. It's, you know, it, but it's, it's funny how, that's how God rejoices. You know, and it's it's so exciting to see that, and that's the way we should be when God when God finds others. We should be excited because heaven is excited. And listen to this last verse here. In verse ten, it says, "In the same way I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents." There's joy and heaven over one sinner who repents. Same way it should be in our hearts. But when it comes down to it, folks, don't complain about others. I would just encourage you, develop a heart like Jesus' heart. View people with Jesus' eyes. 
has lost in need of a, uh, a savior. Always have God's sense of value, making every effort to go and find those who are lost and rejoice when they're lost. Rejoice like they do in heaven. And then truly rejoice like the angels over the lost who come to him. Truly rejoice in our hearts. It's such a blessing, folks. Because God wants to fill this church. God wants to fill his churches wherever his people gather with sinners who come back to know him and are now saints. And if you imagine what this church, what this building, this church, this church that we call home would be like when we go out and we do have that heart of Jesus and reach those who are lost and search for them diligently and bring them in. I would just challenge you, think in your hearts of those who God, may, may, those in your hearts that God, maybe God's putting in your heart that you go reaching out to. There's just people out there that um, maybe God's nudging you with. And then go make an effort. And with the love of Christ and the love of God, reach out to them. And share the love of Jesus with them. And show compassion to them like he did for us. And you watch what happens to this building here. And you see what happens. This building wouldn't be able, there wouldn't be enough to contain them, folks. But that's, he uses us. We're his hands and feet, folks. Amen. And let's rejoice like we did in heaven. Amen. Amen.